good to be here with y'all. Uh, what do I want to say about life? I've been in a kind of like weird, very quiet, low-key headspace this week. Um, and uh, I got a chance to do a little bit of my own writing this week and also do some reading, which has been really nice for me. And I wanted to start with a poem that sort of scares me because it's brand new and I have never read it before and I just wrote it a couple nights ago and I haven't had a chance yet to either destroy it or think it's like, you know, the greatest masterpiece of all time. So um, I'm going to start with that poem and I want to thank Sarah and also Harlan for conversations that ended up making it into this poem a little bit. So this is called Dear Future Friend. Dear future friend, behind us a triangle of shadow and light formed merely by the lines one or more persons thought to fashion into walls. Before us the trees, still here, still still, still unfathomable, and an errant but not unexpected ripple of creek water I stand staring at to listen to a friend's voice note. In this moment, I am reminded of nothing and no one. I am that firmly in the now, listening to the words my friend makes of the current. Then the note is over, but not the night, over the course of which, if we are lucky, we'll at last forget who even we might say we are. But you are not here yet. You are the future I haven't met. I am alone still except for the ladybug who announces herself on my bed with a quick buzz blur. Startled, I sweep her off and away, only to remorsefully search for her in the carpet in which she is hidden, like me from you, like me from me. Have I killed you already, I say to the carpet, and to the you I cannot help imagine for comfort, and I see her, I see her, the ladybug, she is moving, and now I can occasionally turn my head to catch her at some wilder play. She is skiing along the cord of the lamp for now, lamp that renders the light steady for now, for now is all I can take and take in lately. How do we survive, Tarfia? A friend asked me today, and though I responded with words, I didn't know what to say. But what I meant was, your silhouette approaches mine, or my silhouette is on certain terms with yours, and who is first and who is worse does not matter as much as the sight of the ladybug, still alive, like me, like you, and us, that even my own carelessness and fear has still not yet been able to kill. Um, I wanted to, I'm going to read a couple of poems from my first book, Seam, and I wanted to read this one because Joanna mentioned it, and I haven't read this poem in a really long time. So it is called Obad Ending with the Death of a Mosquito, and it's a contrapuntal, which means that it can be read in three different ways formally. So um, you'll hear some overlap um, as I sort of read each piece and then read it all together. Let me break the black sky. Oh, and it's called Obad ending with the death of a mosquito. And it takes place at a hospital in Taka, which is 
the capital city of Bangladesh, which is where uh, most of this book takes place. Let me break the black sky silent, sister, spooled inside in this life, like weary faint trails to clutch back from altars. I make a fist because I woke to witness my open palm. Free of these lace frail lilac fingers disrobing from the windows of this room, I sit helpless, waiting, because you drew from me the coil of red twine, loneliness. Once I wanted to say one true thing, as in I want more, or the sky is hurt, a blue vessel. We pass through each other, sweepers haunting through glass doors, arcing across gray floors of dust we leave behind. He touches my hand, waits for me, while mosquitoes rise like smoke from this cold marble floor, seeking the blood still humming in our unsaved bodies. He sighs, I kill this one, leaving raw kisses raised on our bare necks. Alone in the myth of one life, I will myself into another. How strange, nameless, the tangled shape our blood makes across us. Let me break free of these lace frail lilac fingers disrobing the black sky. From the windows of this room, I sit helpless, waiting, silent. Sister, because you drew from me the coil of red twine, loneliness spooled inside. Once I wanted to say one true thing, as in, I want more in this life, or the sky is hurt, a blue vessel. We pass through each other, like weary sweepers haunting through glass doors, arcing across gray floors, faint trails of dust we leave behind. He touches my hand, waits for me to clutch back, while mosquitoes rise like smoke from this cold marble floor, from altars, seeking the blood still humming in our unsaved bodies. He sighs, I make a fist, I kill this one, leaving raw kisses raised on our bare necks. Because I woke alone in the myth of one life, I will myself into another. How strange to witness, nameless, the tangled shape our blood makes across us, my open palm. Thank you all. Um, so I mentioned Sister a couple of times in this book and then throughout, and I'll just go ahead and, you know, I think one of the things that I sort of vacillate between talking about and not talking about is the death of my sister at a young age, which is sort of how I became a writer because I was super traumatized and I couldn't talk to anybody about it, so I kept going to my notebook. So. Um, so my sister comes up a few times and uh, Sarah and I were talking about dinner about how, you know, like you want to be done writing about some of those things. You want to be done with writing about the losses, but sometimes you have to write your way all the way through it. So um, I'm going to read this next poem that also has my sister in it. It's called Taka Nocturne. I admit that when the falling hour begins to husk the sky free of its saffroning light, I reach for anyone willing to wrap his good arm tight around me for as long as the ribboned darkness allows. Who wants, after all, to be seen too clearly? 
Still, the heart trusts, climbs back down the old mango tree outside the bar to marvel at the gymnast tornadoing forward, electrifying the air with her soaring body on the TV, even as the friend beside me asks, but how could you sleep in the same room as your dead sister's things? Once, a man I loved told me I was stunning. It terrified me, the way grief still can, risen above us in the bar, seeking its own body. I tell her the body, exhausted, does what it must, as it did then, sutured itself to his, said, I'll be yours forever, with all its secretive creases turning steam in this heat-flustered city, wet fever of the nape of my neck, chiffoned beneath his lips, galaxying across it. I do not tell her about the shelves of porcelain-cheeked dolls, tarnished lavender by falling light, the ebony abundance of my mother's hair varnished blue, as she slid my sister's child's clothes off the old wooden hangers, then back on. But what else is mine, if not all this strange beauty? Look, I said to him, running my own hands down myself, night-rinsed anaglyph, of muscle and bone held fast against everything, yet to plunder this or any twilight's nameless and numinous unfurling. It's funny when I read that poem now and I see the part where I say, I'll be yours forever, I'm like, that's not true anymore. <laughs> that does not happen anymore. Not at all. Um, so I'm going to read a couple of pieces from the book that came after that and I'm going to read from what I think of as the most hopeful part of the book, although I don't really believe in hope. Um, <laughs> this is called The Hidden Register of Solace. First waking to learn that each of your fingers can be swallowed by mist but remain intact and that you can always flex the calves allowing you to pedal far from first happiness, the receding figures of everyone, the summer you learned to ride that old blue bike before first pulse, the silken emancipation of a handkerchief from the mystery of your grandfather's pocket, the handful of invisible everything. You tell your love it is okay to feel first mercy, Petals of musk mallow sedating the wind into momentary slowness. First love and first love, the moment you caught a glimpse of yourself standing in the long unending plane of a tinted window. Then skin, 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 torso, teeth, wrist, the birds of hair pierced to heart. First beginnings cannot be distinguished by the eye. Um, this next poem, take a break. How's everybody doing? Okay, cool. Um, so I wrote a couple of self-portrait poems for this book, and this one is called Self-Portrait as Artemis, and this is also sort of my, you know, when I, when I read this poem, when I want to read this poem, I'm, I'm trying to sort of like eternal sunshine somebody usually. <laughs> 
So that's what's happening here, just in case you are wondering about why I'm reading it, which, you know, why would you wonder that? But anyway, I'm reading it to Eternal Sunshine, someone who ghosted, re someone who ghosted me recently. And um, yeah, so I just thought I would overshare that before I read this poem. This is called Self-Portrait as Artemis. It wasn't long before I rose into the silk of my night robes and swilled the stars and the beetles back into sweetness. Even my fingernails carry my likeness, and I smudge the marrow of myself into light. I whisper, streetcar, ardor, midnight, into the ears of the soldier, so he will forget everything but the eyes of the night nurse whose hair shines beneath the prow of her white cap. In the end, it is me he shipwrecks. Oh, arrow, my arms not as I pluck the lone string totter. Oh, crossbow, I kneel, he oozes, and the grasses and red wasp knock him back from my sight. The night braids my hair. I do not dream, I glow. Okay, so I'm going to turn now to reading some new poems. The thing about people who ghost is that they always come back. Yeah. No spells really work, um, such as it is. Okay, so I'm going to read some poems from the, a book I'm working on right now that's called Aliens of Extraordinary Ability, which is an actual visa classification. Um, and what do I want to say about it? I think that's all I want to say about it for now. Um, this is called Any Place. My ceiling fan became a starfish last night. Think about the slightness of distance between a ceiling fan and a starfish. Which brings me to the shower head in the bathtub where I sat daily, fully clothed, to think. The thought closet, TM, or the spaceship, TM, that's what I called it. Yes, the dry bathtub, which was made into itself sheerly by my thoughts, nothing else. As in, it wasn't a closet or a spaceship, it was a bathtub, and yet. One day I looked up at the showerhead and thought, Godhead, why not? Why couldn't the showerhead be a god? Show me the way, I thought, out of here, away. Give me a way to depart and still be here. The way a showerhead becomes a god, a ceiling fan can become a starfish. The way departure is the light from the windows in that place. What place? Any place. I feel alien. Um, so something else I've been working on lately is writing about uh, disability, which I find extremely challenging. I have a shoulder disability, and about a year and a half ago I had shoulder replacement surgery and my limit my range of motion is still extremely limited and um it's actually uh, a disability that i've had since i was pretty much 13 years old but i think for a long time i just hid it and i just didn't talk about it and i definitely didn't write about it very much 
um, if at all. So this is an attempt at writing about that. And it's called, What Can Replace What I Lost, which is something I overheard in Chicago at 3 a.m. <laughs> you might be wondering what I was doing in Chicago at 3 a.m., but. <clears throat> what can replace what I lost? A spider came to rest upon my shoulder. No, it was there all at once. It, I shall call it she. There's a spider, I said to nobody. Then there's a spider on me. I screamed and shook she off. Where there had been a shoulder, a spider. I'd had surgery on that shoulder. What was bone, now metal. Severely deformed, the surgeon's note said several times over. Severely deformed. Beautiful, she. Where has my spider gone, I now wondered. I looked for she in the pile made by my sweater, a helix of gnats, the blue side of a house, its blue shadow. There is no home, I'd been concluding, but not sadly. And the scene is what it's been, but now without she, daunting, repulsive, delicate. It was I who crushed she, unused to such proximity, eyeless and intimate. You wish to know if I ever found she. No, she is no more, and nothing, nothing can replace what you've lost. Turning once again to the topic of modern intimacy, this is called Years Later, A Second Date because they don't ghost completely. They come back sometimes, and then sometimes you're dumb enough to give them another chance. Anyway, <laughs> anyway, it's called Years Later, A Second Date. This is why we can't have nice things, he says. That's a real quote, that's really what he said. This is why we can't have nice things, he says, as my knife clatters floorward at the fancy restaurant. He can't possibly recall saying this exact phrase years ago on our first date, though back then it was a spoon that fell. This is why we can't have nice things, he smiled down. But the smile was not a nice thing. No, it was not even a smile. It was not a smile at all. The smile, not a smile, was a wordless wound made of sound. Yes, you must accept it. It was a gash and screaming and muted, ready to gut the world. Soon after, years passed without us speaking. What was there to say except to reiterate that nice things do exist? On our first date, he had turned away when speaking of how cruelly he had been teased at first for shabby clothes and a heavy accent, but in a voice meticulously blanked out of even a hint of that experience. What do you mean at first, some of you may ask, but most of you know paperwork well and checkpoints like a small locked windowless room, bleached and bleached over. This is the simile I will end up making of his voice. Leave it, he says now, smiling, cutting his hand across air. And even he must think he means the knife. <laughs> and I'm gonna close with um, 
this very long poem. It feels very long to me. Um, and then I think that will be that. Okay. This is called Home. Oh, and I wanted to say a quick round of thank yous. Um, thank you to Sarah for having me back. And um, thank you all so much for being here. And um, yeah, artists and stuff. This is called Home. I had been sad again, but that wasn't the point. It was sadness's underside, the reassuring panic of sadness, the undersad, haha. But happiness isn't a goal, no, no matter what lies they sell us, plastic wrapped, party ready, ready to be heated. I.e. do pass go, do feed the animals, among which ignobly noble beings I count myself creature that I am, creature that shits and shimmies and shoulders and shatters. But the point I must make about sadness is how it settles in the cracks even of empire, i.e. especially, i.e. what is my worth without my suffering, because wasn't the first wound birth? I mean, wasn't the wound that happened to her, mother obviously, also the wind that woke the winding wild to make sense of the clouded centuries. So maybe I did have a choice in my birth, maybe I chose it, it was my fault. Then the routine of it, being alive, then the years of thwarting discipline only to deserve it at last. Then the years I chose the pretense of ignorance so as to collapse eventually inside a coddling and cruel companionship, as in I did choose it, it is my fault, the sadness, mine. Perhaps you're wondering what this has to do with sadness. You're saying, when will she say what I need to hear? That this love will still be here. That the water is water, for real. Not that fake movie water, but the good stuff from creeks glowing with a lack of human touch. My friend asked me about wetlands today. What was there to say except, oh, I keep forgetting about the land, or I routinely forget to lift my head from the clutter life makes of life to look at the world the world has made of itself finally. There is a finale I do not know how to write, do not know how to bargain with, do not know when to cajole out of its crabby little red cage. There is a fish who is also a man who is also a star, or so I wrote just now, surprising myself. But who knows the difference between revelation? On mornings I wake to my own alien face, longing to encounter another's, to be beside myself when I am beside someone. And that was the trick of it, to stand bedside and hold the hand of, to bend the knee despite the odds of, despite the call to, i.e. let's go then, let's get on with it. Which is to say the sadness wasn't about the passage of time and yet. Duration was the main question, duration and speed. And depth, I suppose, if I'm being honest, which I am approximately half the time, depending. Again, the unexpected but regular occurrence of, despite, despite, despite achievement, attention, affection, affirmation, despite beauty, which we were not yet, the world had not yet caught up to this luster and intensity.
meaning sadness happened regardless and again. Isn't this what I always said I wanted? A line a younger version of me wrote to a sister dead enough to devote to for an undead like me at least. Even then, I knew the ghosts I wasn't sure I believed in could hear the hedonism I struggled to hide, the dark wish, the immersion in, then of, the black eyeliner, denser and darker, more exact, swifter now in its exquisite execution, the gazes more practiced, but also more glancing. Even now, I am speaking as though I can hear me, but let's keep going, though wasn't that a convincing finale? In a way, the gratitude is the upheaval, a text I sent to a friend. For there were the years a mind that was mine was clenched in a fist, in a fist I myself unfurled, one breathless finger at a time, only to press moaning around my own throat. Neck, throat, neck, little snappable, little soft, gasp for dessert. I wanted it, is what I'm saying, the plunder, the peacocking, to play praying mantis, to grow up finally, to plead my case and be punished mercifully for all I consume I have yet to deserve, i.e. I have never forgotten the fact that the praying mantis eats her mate, and what is my fate if not to be an insect? Which is to say, I rose just now from bed, where I was reading fully clothed, having given up finally on the point, until I remembered. Since last week, I have been waiting to write down about a child I saw at the mosque, wearing a fuzzy cat ears headband and a dinosaur t-shirt. A brontosaurus, methinks, i.e. a sauropod. And if there is nothing else to this life, I have at least carried her here, thus, far, and though the same problems are there, here, as before, the sadness of separation from God, the sadness of separation by gender, the sadness of separation from and by land, the sadness of separation of me from you, you from you, me from me, the sadness of it all, but the softness, the softness, the softness, the softness, too, of the ears of her headband, the light falling through. The sadness was there and here, yes, but so were we, so too are we, far as far as we are. And so then, the old lines of music are too, and to us and in us must still return. Thanks, y'all.